Welcome to the Living with Fire podcast, where we share stories and resources to help you live more safely with wildfire. My name is Christina Rustano. My name is Jamie Royce Combs. My name is Jordan Buxton. So my name is Tessa Putz. I am Spencer Houston. And I'm your host, Megan Kay. On this episode of the Living with Fire podcast, we're going to be introducing you to the Living with Fire team and talking about what Living with Fire means to us. We're also going to be talking about the projects that we're working on right now to help communities live more safely with wildfire. So my name is Christina Rustano. I am an assistant professor at UNR and a state extension specialist. I focus on wildland fire and forest resource issues. Um, And yeah, a little bit about my background. Um, Have kind of a classic academic training in ecology. Um, Studied forestry at UC Berkeley um, and then went to graduate school at UW in Seattle, where I studied um, for my master's. I did a project focused on how forest management treatments influence resilience to wildland fire. And then for my um, subsequent work, I focused on how uh, forest ecosystems respond to drought throughout the whole the whole Western United States. And then went to do a postdoc at UC Davis, where um, I started to really work more on the science communication side. Um, I worked there with a joint fire sciences program that focused on communicating wildland fire science issues to land managers. Um, And then uh, worked in a little bit of forest and fire policy um, in Tahoe for two years after that, and then came here. So I, I kind of have a background in applied ecology, trying to understand how land management can be used to increase ecosystem resilience, um, but then have really wanted to focus on that kind of tech transfer science communication side um, and not so much focus on the research end, but how can we get um, people to, to understand uh, what they can do to live in ecosystems that face fire, drought, climate change, and um, have folks better understand uh, kind of the tools in the toolkit that that land managers use to manage ecosystems. Um, I also have just worked a lot um, trying to kind of bring science outside of the university into schools and working with land managers and working with nonprofits and just working with folks kind of outside of that traditional academic sphere and kind of trying to push information out and then also trying to better understand what information and what 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 information that folks want to make decisions about what they're trying to do, whether that be a community, a homeowner, a land management agency. So what is it that that folks need more information about, and then we at the university can try to to create that information for folks. So really trying to serve that conduit between research and science, land management, and the public. 
And that ties into the like the mission of living with fire, which which simply put on our website and our materials is just to help people live more safely with fire. Is that why you were um, so attracted to the Living with Fire program? Just kind of your interest in science communication? Yeah. So um, I've always been attracted to a position in extension, um, going to um, to undergraduate at a forestry school that is a land grant um, exposed me to extension early on. And so uh, that they're unique positions in that they are positioned kind of in the center of things, if you will, where you can be that hub to connect all the other pieces out there trying to do the same thing. For example, you can connect private industry and nonprofits and NGOs and state government, local government and the federal government, uh, tribes, universities, you can really be that that go-to to kind of connect folks to facilitate idea creation, problem solving, um, and the generation of new science information ideas. And so um, I was always attracted to an extension position, specifically one in fire, because my my expertise and training is in fire, but also it's kind of the overarching ecological issue that is eclipsing all others in the West um, where I um, was born and raised and have worked. And so, um, you know, specifically working in fire kind of uh, helps. It's the discipline that, that kind of grounds us in a lot of the other ecological issues of concern in this region. Um, I grew up (laughs) in the the Sierra Nevada mountains of California. So certainly a position at UNR was also uh, an appealing one because, you know, you're, you're kind of at that confluence of the Great Basin and the Sierra where there's a lot of really interesting ecological questions that can be answered and, and big problems and issues that need addressed um, in, in an area that I love. And so, um, you know, I was attracted to UNR and extension for those reasons, living with fire in, in particular, um, you know, it is just a really well-established, well-regarded program and having the, the, the opportunity to be at the helm of, of that and, and, and steer that ship was very, very appealing to me, um, just in terms of what we can keep doing that's already been done and the opportunity that we have to expand the program and grow the program um, with such a good foundation in place is a really unique opportunity. My name is Jamie Royce Gums. I'm the manager at the Living with Fire program. Um, as a background to, to where um, I got to this space, uh, being the manager at the Living with Fire program, um, you know, in my in my undergrad, I I, I had the choice between um, doing nursing school or wildlife ecology, and I chose wildlife ecology. And then um, I had that as an undergrad, and and then I I got experience under a plant ecologist, and then ended up um, out of out of uh, the program at UNR. I, I get got a position um, as a uh, biological science technician under a research ecologist. Um, 
so I would go out to the middle of of uh, rural Nevada and do plant experiments, and and I loved it. Um, but it was uh, it was really um, academic based, and I, I really wanted to help people, and and um, I wanted um, to you know help promote um, research that that would that people could benefit from. I wanted to learn how to communicate these things to people. So then I got my master's in environmental journalism. And, um, and then I found extension after that program, um, the, the master's program at UNR. And, um, and I loved it. I mean, I could communicate, um, you know, research to people and I could help people at the same time. Um, and so I, a position at the Living with Fire program opened up in 2016 and I was the outreach coordinator. And so then, um, I learned a lot from, from those, uh, managers that I had, and then they retired. And then, um, I all of a sudden was the, the manager, the director and outreach coordinator for a little while until, <laughs> until we, we found Christina Ristano, which was amazing. Um, and so now, um, I'm the outreach, or sorry, I'm not the outreach, sorry, we have an outreach coordinator. I am the manager um, and I love it. I, 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 have, I find a lot of joy in, um, in, in helping people to reduce the threat of wildfire. Um, I, I really um, enjoy what I do. So here I am. I'm Megan Kay. I'm the outreach coordinator for the Living with Fire program. You're going to be hearing a lot of my voice on the podcast, so hopefully you don't hate it. Um, I don't have a science background like everyone at this table. I was a, an art major, studied um, printmaking and book arts and photography. But before I went to, before I got serious about college, I do have a fire background. My dad was a firefighter for Reno Fire for many years. He spent his entire career there. And when I was about 19, I was, you know, had no direction. And he basically filled out an application for me to be a seasonal firefighter <laughs> for me. And he was just like, sign this, turn it in. This is what you're doing. And I did it and it was wonderful. And um, it was uh, such an, a formative part of my life. I spent two seasons on an engine, three seasons on a hand crew. And I just really... Um, you know, fell in love with the lifestyle and, but also realized that it wasn't, I, I'm not, I'm not a lifer. It wasn't necessarily like the right fit for me, but I really enjoyed it and learned so much and, um, have, you know, knowledge of the vocabulary about wildfires in a very basic, you know, just because I was a, was doing, uh, I was on the ground doing like fields projects, you know, I kind of understood a little bit of, I understood what we were doing. Not the higher science, but I understood, like, uh, why were we doing, like, restoration and rehabilitation. Um, but, so I worked in the arts for a long time, um, worked for the Nevada Arts Council for a little bit, and then found my way back to, found my way back to UNR, working uh, at Extension as administrative assistant, and doing, um, desktop publishing work and that's when I found out about the living fire program and I just was like had to be a part of it the outreach outreach coordinator position was actually open while I was here but I was I felt like I I, it was too soon for me my old job to apply for it so I could have I could have applied for a long time ago but I didn't so I'm really so grateful that I get to be part of this team and it's a great way for me to put my um you know my skills as a an artist 
because I do have to create um, lots of graphics for the for the program. But also in general, I like Jamie have always really um, been drawn to jobs where I'm working with the community. I've done a lot of uh, volunteer work for like community arts organizations, and now continuing volunteering for different organizations so it's kind of part of my dna to want to um work with the community and i'm really glad that i get an opportunity to do that um and really grateful to christina and jamie and everyone who's helping to make this podcast and jordan who's helping to make this podcast a reality um speaking of that um i want to make sure we introduce jordan who is the man behind the microphones Hello, my name is Jordan Buxton. I am a content creator, I think is my official title, right, at the Living with Fire UNR Extension. Uh, I am currently enrolled in a bachelor's program at U- the University of Nevada, Reno, with a, well, a bachelor's of the arts in journalism with a primary focus on digital content creation. So I have experience in graphic design, audio editing, video editing, uh, photography, um, motion graphics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I am here to edit the podcast, which is pretty rad. And I also want to um, make sure we recognize another member of our team who's not here, Christine Nazarchuk, and she's our desktop publisher. She supports us with pretty much everything we need, anything we need at any time. She's great. She is a great editor. She helps us with graphics. And she's just a really good person to offer feedback. And I, I, we value her. A lot. Yeah, she's a key part of our program, always available to help with from the big stuff to the small stuff. Um, You know, there's a lot of that behind the scenes editing, graphic design, layout. Um, We have so many publications that we continue to reprint. And every time we reprint them, we have to reformat them to meet, you know, there's just a lot of things that, that have to happen. And she is available to help us with a lot of stuff. And it's really valuable. During a wildfire, firefighters have a lot to do. Make it easier for firefighters to defend your home. Create Defensible Space now. Defensible Space is an area between a house and an oncoming wildfire where the vegetation has been managed to reduce the wildfire threat. Proper Defensible Space doesn't mean removing all vegetation, though. By following the Lean, Clean, and Green rule, you can keep your property safe while preserving its natural beauty. Learn more about Defensible Space in our guide, Fire Adapted Communities, The Next Step in Wildfire Preparedness. You can find the guide in the resources section of our website at livingwithfire.com. Yes, and that brings us to the newest members of the team. And part of the reason I'm excited to have you guys on is to get to know you a little bit, little bit better. So let's start. Uh, if you let's start with Tessa, if you don't mind. Um, so why don't you go introduce yourself and. Yeah, so my name is Tessa Putz. I am a natural resources associate with the Living with Fire program. And I ended up here, well, I did my undergrad uh, at University of Washington in environmental science. And uh, after that, I was fortunate to work for different universities and um, agencies across the West in uh, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, and California. And those were all, they're either restoration or ecology based um, 
and those were a lot of fun, but I decided I wanted to buckle down, and I ended up at UNR for my um, master's in uh, natural resources and environmental science, where I studied forest ecology, and I ran around Nevada measuring trees, um, trying to find ponderosa pine, which is actually harder than it is in California. <laughs> and um, yeah, graduated in 2020 with my master's and uh, ended up here, which I'm so excited to be able to. I'm really interested in research, but I really love bridging the gap between um, our findings and um and the community. Um, I really enjoyed positions where I had an outreach element, like volunteer events. And so it's it's really important to me to um, get to work with people and boil down what we're what we're finding out for the public. And then, so do you, Christina and Tessa? Do you guys want to talk about what the type of work here you're doing? Sure, I'll let you talk about it, Tessa. But but I'll just say I. Uh, I interviewed Tessa for a position on a field crew at UC Davis before she went to grad school. So she worked for me before in the past, <laughs> and then it came full full circle that she 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 came back to me somehow. So that <laughs> that worked out great. Uh, but I'll let you talk about the projects that you and I are working on, Tessa. Yeah, yeah. So we have some really awesome things going on. Um, one of them, uh, some people may be seeing hopefully in the next couple months is we're working on a needs assessment and an evaluation survey. So watch your email for that one day. Um, and so that'll be really great to get an idea of how this program's, uh, going and what, uh, what else we need to produce for everyone. Um, and then another thing that we're working on is a Pinion Juniper encroachment education website. Something that's really important is educating the public about the benefits of um, managing Pinion Juniper for our sagebrush ecosystems. So keep your eyes open for the on the internet for that too. And that will be on our. Uh, we'll be linking because it'll that'll have its own website separate from ours, but we'll um, definitely link to that from our website. I assume. Yay. Well, thanks for welcome. Yeah. Excited to get to talk to you. And we, because we're operating in uh, COVID restrictions and everything, and we're all working remotely. This is the first time we've all been in, you know, we've been in a room together. So it's, it's pretty exciting. And, um, you know, Chris, Christina and Jamie are working remotely, but we're in the digital room. <laughs> not, the, not the first time we've been on a Zoom together, but it's pretty exciting. Um, so yeah, that and then Spencer, another new addition to our team. Do you want to introduce yourself and let us know what you're working on? And then maybe start with your job title, too. Yeah. So, hi, everyone. I am Spencer Usden, and I'm a special projects manager at Living With Fire. And the special project that I work on is kind of taking really cool science from scientists like Tessa and Christina about wildfire and turning it into wildfire science curriculum for our Nevada high schools. Um, and that's the, the main project that I am working on. So... Um, I have a background in doing this over the last, I guess, seven years. I've started a nonprofit that focused on connecting scientists to high school students and finding ways to make um, really awesome and interesting research relevant to the ecosystems that students lived in and finding a way to give teachers tools to allow students to 
to play with that research, to go out, collect measurements like that, ask questions, and really understand it so that their science classes were a lot more applied and they could understand questions that people are actively trying to study and learn. Christina, do you want to talk about that project at all? Or? I mean, I, I think Spencer covered it pretty well. Um, it's a grant that we got through FEMA um, to support that. It's so important to acknowledge them. Um, and, you know, we're really working with um, a lot of different stakeholders in the region to really um, try to have this be a curriculum where we get a lot of participation from our partners at the BLM and NDF and at the Forest Service um, to really make sure that we're, we are contributing to the broader, you know, prevention and mitigation education that's occurring across the, the state. And so, um, you know, we've been getting a lot of great participation from our partners and uh, and a bunch of teachers throughout the region. So really excited about it. Um, we as a program haven't developed a curriculum like this before. And so folks are really, really excited about it. And uh, Spencer and I are hoping that this is the beginning of, of more formalized K-12 education um, that we're doing in this program. And one of the really cool things about that that's kind of come up from all the, the scientists, fire professionals, teachers that we've talked to is because fire is such a big part of the Nevada ecosystems that there's so many different places that you can connect fire to in our, your biology class talking about successions and different ecosystems um, in there. And so there are a lot of different places where we might not be saying this is a unit on fire. So this is a a study system about wildfire where you're going to learn about how to effectively apply grazing to create beneficial plant outcomes. Yeah, so we're, we're trying to integrate it into environmental science classes, biology classes, and some of the ag classes that are at, at, at high schools. So, so really trying to have it be that there's kind of units that we can kind of plug into these broader classes that are, are, happening. And so it's a really exciting, engaging project that that is really a lot of fun to work on, honestly, because it's it's kind of a, a different skill set that we haven't been employing so far. So it's fun. So let's, uh, let's go around one more time. And um, let's just, uh, you can, however long the answer is, you, let's just talk about what living with fire means to you. Start with Christina. Yeah. What does living with fire mean to you? So to me, the concept of living with fire really is a concept that um, in, that encompasses that we have a general understanding of the role that fire has played historically in our communities and ecosystems and the role it plays now. And um, how we can be prepared and live, um, I don't know if harmoniously is the right word, but live um, with an understanding and respect for fire. And so to me, that that includes an ecological understanding of fire, a cultural understanding of fire, an economic under, understanding of fire, a technical understanding of fire. So how do we suppress fires? How do we 
How do we manage them? How do we prepare our homes for fire? How do we prepare our communities for fire? Um, and it's not just flames and fire, it's smoke. It's having your power shut off because that's part of living with fire, right? So, so just being aware of of you know that 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 there is a long-standing historical role of fire and presence of fire in our ecosystems in the, the Great Basin and the Sierra Nevada and in the West in general. Um, and that there are different ways uh, culturally and economically that we prepare for fire and that we cohabitate with it and that you know, there are a lot of different communities that have to be preparing for fire in different ways. The wildland urban interface has to think about a certain set of, of, of issues. Ranchers have to think about a certain set of, of, of issues. Um, the farmers have to think about a certain set. The folks that live in the urban center have to think about a different set of, of issues. So, so really trying to keep in mind that when we live with fire, that we're trying to think about a current and a future time in which we don't lose our communities to fire, that we don't compromise our health due to fire because we are prepared and resilient, both ecologically, socially, economically, to um, absorb a wildland fire when it comes to where we are. And I mean, I think that that does a pretty good job of explaining the vision I have for the the program as a whole is really providing a variety of different educational um, resources and opportunities for folks to learn about these different components of what it means to live with the constant presence of fire in the region where you live. And so maybe that is a workshop on climate and fire, or maybe it's a workshop on how to pack an evacuation bag or maybe it's a it's a training for landscapers that work in fire or it's an educational program for k-12 schools or you know so really um, not limiting ourselves to one kind of uh, pathway or silo of that entire kind of spectrum or universe of different fire realities that we all face but but allowing the the program to be adaptive and flexible over time to, to continue to provide new educational materials and opportunities for folks to understand a different part of the puzzle than they did before. Communities located in wildfire prone areas need to take extra measures to live safely. There are many ways to prepare communities and properties for wildfire including creating and maintaining adequate defensible space and hardening homes to withstand wildfire. This could mean altering or replacing certain components of the home. Our Wildfire Home Retrofit Guide will help you better prepare your home and communities for wildfire. You can find the guide in the resources section of our website at livingwithfire.com. Just coming off of this podcast we just recorded, and to let you guys know, um, we, we just interviewed um, Helen Fillmore and Rihanna Jones from the Washoe Tribe. And I will say that that experience kind of has changed my answer a little bit in that 
you know, when I came in, my understanding of what living with fire means to me was about kind of like a what you were talking about, like having being able to have fire as a natural ecological disturbance and process without the loss of communities and life and all the other devastation that comes with fire. I mean, there's going to be a bit of a disturbance, but like, how do we build or harden or retrofit? There's a lot of terms out there, communities to withstand wildfire, but while also kind of letting it play its role in the ecosystem. But then I I would take that a step further after this and just kind of understand that there's been a like it, our cultural, culturally, I will say, and this is just an observation, I'm not a social scientist, but I think there is a lack of stewardship, just this idea of stewardship in our culture and of a connection to the land. And I think everyone can, that can exist in people's lives in various degrees. And um, there, there needs to be a little bit of care taken before you just like, go out into the land and a little bit of education that needs to happen. But I'll extend that, yeah, a step further beyond what Christine was saying and just saying that, like, for me now, I think I'm thinking about um, way the way that we interact with the land and not just preventing fires, but maybe, like, actively understanding processes and, like, um, becoming, like, um, just more connected to the land. And, that, and maybe that's by educating yourself about the historical role of fire and... Um, current land management, but just feeling a connection to the land. And therefore, I think that that will sort of ripple out into people's resp- like feeling responsibility. And then um, also when people with land use being what it is and wild and urban interface expanding, I think a lot of people are moving into the these eight, these areas and they don't have that connection to the land and they don't necessarily understand their roles and responsibilities. So I would also say that to me, living with fire means doing your uh, due diligence. And like when you choose to, to live somewhere, um, taking taking it all in and instead of trying to just completely separate yourself from the land and harden yourself off and say like, okay, I need to protect myself from this ecosystem and from this from nature, try to maybe integrate the way that you live into nature a little bit more. But I don't know. Um, that's just me personally, the way I think about it. But as far as implementing that into the program, I think those, those that does exist in, in our literature when, it, when we talk about like home hardening and defensible space, we try to let people know that you don't have to clear cut around your house. Like you can, you can have natural vegetation and you can, you know, sort of exist with nature, but do it um, strategically. And same thing with home hardening. Like, you don't, we don't have to all live in metal boxes um it's more about like making strategic changes um so anyway i i feel like i'm very inspired by that episode sorry to eat up so much time but (laughs) jamie did you want to add anything else okay so what does living with fire mean to me um it basically that you know wildfire is inevitable it's it's coming and so we we help residents to anticipate and prepare for um for wildfire um so they're better able to you know adapt to it um gone are the days where where folks just say you know and I'm just going to rely on the the fire department to save me I pay my taxes um you know residents are the first line of defense um with their pre-fire activities. 
um, to help them reduce the threat of wildfire. Um, so that's in a nutshell what I would say to yeah. me what living with fire is. Yeah, I like it. I already went, so I'm gonna abstain. Let's um, you want to go, Spencer? Yeah, for for me and kind of thinking the the context of of my project in living with fire. Um, living with fire to me means that you could go walk outside into a semi-vegetated area and look at it and understand um, the the health and how fire would interact with that area. Like, is it going to be something that could really catastrophically burn or is it something that is very resilient? Um, And so being able to to look and understand is kind of going to be really helpful um, to that. And I think kind of I'm excited to listen to the, the podcast session that connects to the the Washoe Tribal organizations that you've um, interviewed so far. Because some of my talks um, from the education piece from that was like one idea that really resonated with me was you're never not managing an ecosystem. And so um, kind of whether it's driving down the highway, maybe not the best management or something like that, but there there can be good and bad management. And so understanding what it looks like around you is a a good first step for that. Growing up in a mountain town in Southern California, I was aware of the impact wildfire can have on communities from a really early age. Um, Being evacuated uh, and then coming back to a national forest, that looks completely different. And then seeing how it changes throughout the years. And um, it was really interesting to me to learn later. And it's interesting that this wasn't established for me as a child, that there is good fire and that um, fire is necessary for so many ecosystems, um, but that as the climate becomes more extreme and unpredictable, we're going to need to learn how to live with it, how to steal ourselves for it, manage properly, um, and be prepared for it. You guys have great answers. I feel like even though I made the questions, I had the most rambly answer. Um, Thank you, guys. You want to answer again, Megan? No, I think it's okay. I wanted to, I wanted to pose it to Jordan. So, Jordan, what does living with fire mean to you? Well, I will admit that of everyone in the podcast and everyone we've ever talked to, I definitely have the least knowledge and the least amount of experience as it relates to wildfire science and wildfire education. But I, I will say that growing up, and I know that that's kind of arrogant for me to say because, I mean, everyone's still growing up and I'm still... I'm still 22, so, you know, um, but growing up, I I was inundated with, like, the standard wildfire warnings with, like, you know, Smokey the Bear, only you can prevent forest fires, and mostly preventative education that I I would receive uh, with my extensive, you know, public land use. I mean, I've spent most of my life in the mountains. I mean, I was a Boy Scout, and I'm a backcountry snowboarder, and a a bike tourer, and a backpacker, and so, like, I've seen... I've I've had a, a a litany of education towards preventative measures, but it's it's interesting to think about how little I was exposed to proper defensible space education and and actual usable material. Not that the, that that other other education isn't usable, but it's not as applicable to your your daily life um, on how to live with and live in an area that's prone to wildfire and. I don't. I don't live on the the wildland urban interface. I, I live about twelve miles from it. At least that's what we used to think. I live on the on the the desert's edge in Spanish Springs, and it hasn't been until recently that we've actually had wildfires approaching 
our property and uh it's it's kind of really shifted my perspective and i've i've enjoyed or i i've i've appreciated um the last cuz i've only been here for a couple months but i've i've appreciated the the litany and wealth of knowledge that i've learned uh in regards to you know actually residing in areas prone to wildfire so the um i think that um that really that ties in really well with our mission which is uh trying to kind of do that um flesh out the piece of the puzzle which would be like the the why and the how so you know it's not just about preventing fires which is very important because um most most wildfires are human caused so it's important that we're not just going out and starting fires <laughs> and that uh, but that also they are they're a reality and when they happen um being prepared is is really important um so the I wanted to transition transition into just kind of and talk talk to talk about for listeners the types of things that we create and what we do, um, and how we f- fulfill our mission of helping people live more safely with wildfire. This podcast, if they're listening, would be one thing, um, one medium of uh, using narrative to to get to um, try to uh, educate people and reach people and. But we also are working on a lot of great things, like that we just mentioned the curriculum. But I, I wanted to highlight, and I'll go to Jamie for this. I wanted to highlight we're also doing, we also do webinars and online workshops. And um, this summer we have a whole, a whole series. But we'll do. I think that this around the table thing is working. So I think we'll just go around and um, kind of highlight some of the, just what we produce. We are a resource for for people to live more safely with fire, but how do they utilize this and, and what kind of things do we provide? So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot and go to Jamie first. It's fine. Um, so I, I think that we need to mention that, um, you know, we work with local state and federal firefighting agencies. We work in collaboration with them and we also work in collaboration with, um, uh, land management agencies too in Nevada. Um, the living with fire program is a grant funded program, um, and we really rely heavily on on the, these agencies um, and work in collaboration with them. Um, and so that's big with us. Um, and so what do we create? We we create peer reviewed publications. Um, we uh, lead uh, an annual wildfire awareness campaign. Um, it's a, a campaign that we do. Um, it used to be um, every May, but we've changed it to um, May to October. So a longer campaign awareness period um, where we just uh, want to gain awareness of uh, wildfire and preparedness for it. Um, we we do uh, public presentations Um Particularly for this year's Nevada Wildfire Awareness Campaign, we are doing um, workshops, online workshops. We're going to have one to two workshops um, a month from um, from now until October, um, and they they're they're on a variety of topics um, from wildfire preparedness to um, a, a wildfire investigation to wildfire and smoke um, uh, and um, a lot more. Those are just the things that I can think of on the top of my head. Um, what else do we do? Um, we 
not only our resource for Nevadans, but we also provide um, publications and information nationally and internationally. Um, some folks don't realize that. Um, I, I, off the top of my head, I believe that we um, do help at least 25 other countries um, with yeah. this information. Pretty cool. Yeah, we've had some really good participation and outreach with, the, yeah. with our workshops. Yeah. Zoom, I mean, the pandemic has been like, it's had some weird side effects. One being that like all of this Zoom programming, we're able to reach people we never used to be able to reach. So, yeah, you know, usually we do these in person um, presentations and, and we would either target like a smaller community in Nevada or the whole state. And with these Zoom presentations, we've had folks from, I mean, Brazil, uh, Canada, um, you know, across the nation, New York. Um, so it's really, really cool to see that um, folks from other places are are utilizing our information. I'm pretty excited about the ones we have coming up. The, the Wildfire and Smoke one is going to be really interesting because that's a thing that uh, I don't think people, I think people were just sort of, because it was so temporary before wildfires, you know, the, the wildfires were not as prolonged, not as huge. There wasn't as much output, but now we're living with, I mean, last year, I mean, do you guys know, I can't remember, but it was a scary thing where we only had like for like an entire month, we had like two days that were green, like, which like healthy air. And that was, that was pretty intense. So that's going to be, a, a much it was needed, terrible. much needed yeah. workshop. And I really hope that we, um, and I know this is on our radar to, you know, create publications from the information to, so that we can help residents prepare for smoke. Um, that is, it's so interesting and is, is really needed. Um, we have, um, you know, youth games um, to teach children about uh, the ember threat or about junipers Um Folks can always borrow those if they live locally um, and they're, they're willing to drive out here to pick them up, to borrow it from us. Um, we have publications that folks are, are able to um, design or, or they could designable publications rather. Um, we, we, so they can folks, like adapt them to their communities. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Yes. They can adapt it to their, their region. Um and then there's, uh, you know, new publications that, that if folks want to order large quantities of, and they're from different states, they, they're, they're able to, um, yeah, so we, we do this education. I just want to add that this program isn't possible without the amazing team that we have to get everything done. There's just a lot of, of bits and pieces that need to be done to make this program so successful. And so I just want to make sure to acknowledge this whole team that we have because, you know, it wouldn't be a possible program without everybody here on this podcast. Thank you for listening to the Living with Fire podcast. You can find more stories about wildfire and other resources at livingwithfire.com. The Living with Fire program is funded by the University of Nevada, Reno Extension, Nevada Division of Forestry, Bureau of Land Management, and the United States Forest Service.